your Bible to 1 John chapter 3. We are doing a study in 1 John, and uh, we've got to chapter 3, and we're coming to the end of chapter 3, really, praise God. Um, it's been such a long journey, and we've been doing this for quite a while. Uh, I'm not going to hurry this as much as I, you know, one part of me wants to, and the other part of me doesn't. Uh, the part that wants to, I, in, is there are so many wonderful things still to come, uh, but I don't want to do that at the expense of what's in front of us either, so... <laughs> Um, it happens when you're studying uh, God's Word in this way. It's all full of life. Amen? And that's what I really want to bring to you. In 1 John chapter 3, what I want to do is set the stage by reading in verse 10, where the Apostle John again said there, he says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whoever does not, and the word practice should be in there, righteousness is not of God. Neither they that love not their brother or their sister. Now remember again that the Apostle John has been talking about these two families in particular. He's not talking about unbelievers. He's not talking about backsliding Christians. He's talking about two camps, the children of God and the children of the devil. Amen? And so with that in mind, now he continues on. He's he's talked about a sin that we cannot commit that they are continually committing. It's a sin of rebellion against God. And now in in verse 10, he makes a transition into something we only we can do, and that is walk in the love of God and something they just cannot do because they don't have God in them. Are you all with me? Amen? And so what I want to do is we're, uh, I want to begin in verse 11 and just read through. He says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Now, notice he says we should, okay? The reason he's saying that, again, remember, is that he's saying, listen, I am, I am contrasting the children of God with the children of the devil, and he's saying, listen, when you look at them, you, you'll be able to tell who they are because what they don't do. Because he's saying this is what we should be doing, and they will not do those things. And he goes on to say in verse 12, and you know this is what he's talking about because he says, not as Cain who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. That was it. That was the only reason. It was no other reason than he was was mad because he was being shown up for what he was because of what Abel was doing. Amen? And I told you this before. Don't be surprised when people get mad at you just for being you, (laughs) okay? You say, well, that's just me. You know, I like to help. I like to do those things. Yeah, but you show everybody else up. And they'll get mad at you for that. And that's why he goes and says in verse 13, do not marvel, my brethren. Are you all marveling? I hope you're not now, okay? You're you're past the marveling stage, (laughs) all right? That's why he says, do not marvel, my brethren. he, the one translation says, if, but the literal translation says that, the world hates you. Now, again, he's not talking about the whole world. Remember, again, I, I, I clarified this over and over again. He is talking about this particular group in the world. Amen? Because remember, again, that's what he's, he, he began all this with. Verse 14, he says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Now, this is in the agape kind of love, the God kind of love. He who does not love his brother abides in death. So he's saying that the, the, those that don't love with this God kind of love are, are not born again. 
That's why they abide in death. Remember that when you are born again, what happens? You receive what? Eternal life. Everlasting life. Amen? But those that haven't, haven't got that. So this is their condition. Let me continue. I'm not preaching on this today. Verse 15, he says, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. This is the reason why he's using such strong terms. This, isn't, this was not never meant to be used to, to preach to the body of Christ and say, well, if you're not loving your brother, you're a murderer. <laughs> okay? That was never the intention of the Apostle John when he was writing these verses. He was trying to tell us there are two groups in this earth, two very extremely different groups. There is the extremely loving group and should be loving group, that is the, the children of God. And there, there is this extremely opposite group, <laughs> let me say in those words, that are the children of the devil, literally. Again, I'm not talking about unbelievers. You might say, well, I know a whole bunch of unbelievers that are very loving. I, see, I told you, I'm not talking about them. <laughs> okay, I'm talking about this group that exists, that are in continual rebellion against God. And because of the way they are, you really need to watch out. The Apostle John is trying to warn us to stay away from people like this. Are you all here? Amen. Verse 16, which is where we left off last week. He says, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. Now he's, he's saying this is the kind of love we're talking about. A kind of love that gives up their life for someone else. And he says, because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, I, I did a little segue off of that <laughs> last week, and I told you something very interesting. There's, a, there's an underlying message there that also lets us know that if Jesus Christ, and he tells us that he did, if Jesus Christ was willing to give up his life for us, then he is more than willing to help us out with all the little things in our life. Don't ever think, I wonder if God is going to help me with this. He will, because he did what he, he did the greatest thing he could, and that was give his life for you. What more proof do you need that he'll do everything else under that? You know, a lot of people say, well, we're going to do all these big things and they don't always do it. He did it. He didn't just promise it. He did it. Are you all with me? He proved his love for us by dying for us. We've heard that we re really haven't got a revelation of that. If we get a revelation of the fact that he literally gave up his life for us, then we'll begin to understand why he said, I'm going to give you a scripture in John 14, verses 13 and 14, when he said, whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do. Do you understand? Because he said, I'm willing to give my life for you. If there's anything you need, just ask. He's, he's that kind of a person. And he says that the father may be glorified in the son, verse 14. John 14, 14, he says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He didn't say I might do it. He didn't say I'll send it to a committee. <laughs> okay. He didn't say, we'll see how good you've been this week. You know, you have been a little bit naughty. Okay. He's not like Santa Claus. Got the naughty and the nice list. If you're on the naughty list, 1 John 1, 9 and get on the nice list. Amen. I keep telling people that. You know, I don't know what the problem is. Anyway. Yeah, yeah you know what? <laughs> Give me a minute with that, would you? You know, a lot of the problems we have, mental, you know, all the mental problems people have and a lot of the physical problems people have is because of that one thing. That's why I keep preaching that verse and keep bringing it back to your remembrance is because if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which means all the effects that that sin could have in your body and on your mind are gone. 
It's when we carry that around with us that we end up with mental problems and physical problems. And worry is a sin, by the way, as well. Amen? When you, that's why it says, cast all your care upon him, because he does care for you. And as you do that, you walk in a freedom and in a blessing that allows God to do what he needs to do in your life and allows you to be the best that you can be. Amen. Okay, not preaching on that today. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Verse 17, which is where we left off, and we're going to get back to, or get to, excuse me. Verse 17, he says, but whosoever has this world's goods. Now remember again, he talked first of all that, uh, about giving up our life. In fact, let me just read that because they go back to back. He says, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And then he says, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And then he goes and says in verse 17, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Now, I want you to get something here. He says here, I, I, I want you to, I want to give you a picture. I gave this picture to the other group. I'm going to give it to you, okay? I want to give you this picture. I don't want you to see the Apostle John looking at you and pointing his finger at you and waving it at you when he says, but whoever has this world's good and sees his brother in need and, and shuts up his heart from it, how does the love of God abide in him? What is wrong with you? Okay, <laughs> all right? Remember what he's talking. I told you. Do you know why I'm saying this? I, you know, I keep harping on this because people preach this kind of message. They get all over people using something that was meant, never meant to be used in this way against the body of Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me show you how this is actually written. This is the Apostle John saying, now remember I told you boys <laughs> and girls, okay? Uh, remember I told you about the children of God and the children of the devil? Okay, let me, let me tell you something. Stand next to me. See, he's not pointing at you. He's saying, stand next to me. I'm going to give you a lesson. All right, and he's saying, listen, see, whoever has this world's good. See, see that person over there? See how they're, they've got, you know, that they, they got gold chains and they got Rolls Royces, donkeys, whatever. Okay, he's saying, now look at all that. Say, <laughs> all right, he's saying, see that person. You all know they got money, right? You go, yeah, we all know they got money. Now watch, they're going to go past someone that's going to be in need and they're not going to do anything for them. I mean, they could just pull out a $100 bill out of a roll of hundreds and just drop it there and change that poor guy's life and they're not going to do it. Listen, and he's saying, see that? How can the love of God abide in there? You know there's no love of God in that, which means you know, regardless of what they're saying about, well, you know, brother, we have a higher spirituality. We don't need this Christianity business. We don't need all that Jesus stuff. We got this other thing going over here. The Apostle John is saying, well, they might be having something going on over there, but it ain't God. Are you getting this? Amen? And that's why he's saying, see, when you see that, you know the love of God isn't there. Now, what a lot of people do is they take this, they look at you and go, what is wrong with you? Slap, slap. You see somebody in need and you don't help him out. What, the love of God isn't in you. When he already said, Be, beloved, we are the children of God. He had said that and confirmed it. And he's saying, you need to know that as I'm talking to you about all of this stuff. Can I get amen on that? You know, it's an interesting, uh, as I read after uh, the commentaries, they, because they don't have this truth, they don't understand this, which is why so many people are preaching so many wrong messages, they get to verses sometimes and they go, you know, this verse is very confusing. 
because we kind of don't know <laughs> what's going on. It's like, dude, he told you what was going on. Read the whole thing. I mean, you're writing a commentary, dear God, on this whole book. Did we not keep a track of what he said? It's amazing how people get religious along the way. <laughs> All right. Halfway, they suddenly go religious and they forget what was being spoken of. So that's the reason why I'm sharing this with you. Because if you ever hear a sermon on these scriptures. Now, I am. listen to me. I'm going to do you a huge favor. And I'm going to preach all the stuff that they gave as well. But I need you to take it in the right way. Can you do that? Not from a condemning way, but from a way of I'm inspiring you. And I'm saying this is the way we should be. Because of everything that God has done for us. Can I put it that way? He has done so much for us. We need to be a certain way. What the Apostle John is doing is not that he is what he is doing is saying listen you can tell by their behavior they are nothing like what we are now talking about us we need to be a certain way remember i talked to you about carnal christians remember that okay the apostle paul talked to us about those kind of people people that are carnal they're envy strife division all kinds of stuff and he says you're acting like just normal people what is wrong with you Remember that? Okay, so I'm not saying we're all perfect because we are not. Dear God, I, you know, sometimes Christians are, anyway. All right, so let's not go there. Let's keep this positive. All right, <laughs> moving forward. So what I want to do again is I want to make sure that you understand what the Apostle John is doing here. That he is letting you know certain things about these people that their behavior will tell you who they are. You see that, back away from that, be careful. Pray, but don't get too involved in those people. Because remember, he said, not as Cain, who murdered his brother. Amen. These people have murder in their heart. And they would really hate you for who you are and what you stand for. So don't give them advantage. Please don't. I'm just telling you, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> where was that? I, Howard Marshall, now I'm going to give you the other side. Are you all ready? You all know where I'm coming from now. Okay, this is not meant for you, but I want to share some things that are just gems that these people have brought out that will benefit us in these verses. Okay, I, Howard Marshall, in his commentary writes, Christian love is love which gives to those in need. And so long as we have, while our brothers and sisters have little or nothing, and we do nothing to help them, we are lacking in the love, which, we, uh, which is the essential evidence that we are truly children of God. In fact, John is talking about a feeling of pity with, which expresses itself in action. Are you getting that? Okay, so like I said, let's, let's go down this road for a while and let's become the best that we can be. Can I get amen on that? All right. The, one of the best examples of this is in Luke chapter 10. You know the story of the Good Samaritan. We're going to look at it today, okay, <laughs> because it fits right in. And I'm going to be reading from verses 25 through 37. I will not be preaching on this per se because i've already preached on this i want to bring out certain elements from this that relates to what we're talking about are you all with me amen so don't don't be worried i'm not going to take that long <laughs> hopefully all right verse 25 he says and behold a certain lawyer stood up now this is not a normal lawyer this is a a lawyer in the word of god okay uh, in the torah all right he says and behold a certain lawyer stood up and tested him that's Jesus saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It's a great question, but a really bad motive. Okay, he's testing Jesus. He's playing around with him. All right. <laughs> now watch what Jesus does. He said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? He said, you're a lawyer. You tell me. 
I love this. <laughs> Jesus turned it around and stuck it back in his face. And so, so watch verse 27, Luke 10, 27. So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With, see, he knows the answer. With all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Like you didn't know the answer. Showed him right up. And <laughs> verse 28, and Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. That was it. He wasn't going to say anything more. Amen. Okay. I, I want you to notice something here. You know, don't let people play games with you. Amen. Jesus didn't let him. All right. But now he's upset a little bit now. Anyways, <laughs> verse 29. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, mm, who is my neighbor? I will, I will guarantee you that the lawyers, the scribes, the Pharisees have argued this point at length and never come up with an answer. Who is my neighbor? Because all their neighbors would be all the Jews. And in fact, they would be looking for which neighbor, which Jews do I call my neighbor? Because there's some Jews I don't like. I want to push them off a cliff. So we don't know. Even with the Jews, we're not sure which ones are neighbors. Because they were not doing the right thing by, by their own people, by the way. That's why they had prophets getting up and, you know, preaching to them and saying, remember the year of Jubilee and all of those things, you know, where you got to restore things and so on, because they were taking advantage of it. So you can understand that this was a big question. This was a question that this, remember, this is a lawyer. Okay. He's, he's looking for those things that people can't answer, you know. So he's going to throw this question at Jesus and go, hey, nobody, nobody has been able to answer this question. Let's see what you say about it. And I love the way Jesus answered it. And verse 30, then Jesus answered and said, hmm, a certain rich man, or excuse me, a certain man, not rich man, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Notice where he started off. Can we assume he's a Jew? Jerusalem, okay? All right. So he says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed uh, wounded him and departed leaving him half dead verse 31 now by chance a certain priest came down that road it could have been this lawyer okay anyway all right <laughs> and when he saw him he passed by on the other side remember the question remember what john was saying if you see a brother in need if you see someone in need amen what are you how are you meant to don't close your heart off to them remember that okay this lawyer is asking the question, who is my neighbor? Who do I open my heart up to? Can I put it that way? All right. All right. So he says, so the priest comes, he sees him, he goes on the other side. I mean, he doesn't even go to look at this guy. Now, verse uh, 32. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked. At least this guy got close to this guy, but didn't do anything about it. He came and looked and passed by on the other side. He still moved. He goes, no, I don't want anything to do with this and moved off. A Levite is a priest helper, by the way. Okay? All right. So, verse 33. Remember, a whole group is listening to this. They're, oh, and ooh, and everything. Okay? Because they're going, a priest. Oh, thank God a priest came. Oh, what? He passed on the other side? Mm, that's a bit disappointing. Remember a certain, a certain man? This is a true tale, by the way. Whenever Jesus uses those words, a certain anything, it means it's a certain situation that actually occurred. Other times it will say, and he taught a parable unto them, opening his mouth, saying, okay, the 
there was a certain husbandman and he lent out his wine fields and all of that stuff. Those are all parables. This isn't a parable. This is a certain person. And so he says about a certain Samaritan. Notice again, certain. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Wow. So two disappointments. Two people that should have helped this guy didn't help. And here comes a person <laughs> that is known to hate Jews. Remember the question, who's my neighbor? Huh? The Jews would have been arguing about which, which Jews are their neighbor. Jesus is going to throw something in the mix that they never thought was possible. This is beyond their thinking. He, because I just know that the crowd listening to this, when he said a priest, relief, a Levite, relief, a Samaritan, tense. Because we're expecting the Samaritan to go, ha ha, he's half dead. Let me make sure he's all the way dead. Let's finish the job, shall we? <laughs> okay, all right, okay. <laughs> but he didn't do that. Watch again, okay? This is what you call Rachel profiling. Okay, all right, anyway. All right, get back, get back to this. So he says, he, he came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Can I put it another way? He opened his heart out to him. Okay. Verse 34, so he went to him and bandaged his wounds. Watch this. And pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, which means he's not riding anymore, all right, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. He didn't bring him to an inn and say, listen, this guy was on the road. Can you take care of him, please? I got stuff to do because you know he's got business. He's going to say, I'm going to go and come back. Are you all with me? All right, so... So he goes, uh, verse 35, it goes and says, on the next day, Jesus is telling the story again. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii. This is a lot of money, by the way, okay? Gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come back again, come again, I will repay you. And you don't need to show me the receipts. <laughs> you know, come on, man. If we gave him money, we'd say, we want to see receipts. We don't want to say, well, the Band-Aid costs 20 bucks and, and, the, and, the, and the Dettol costs 30 bucks. Give me a break. I can get that for $2. I want to see. No, okay. See, listen. He is allowing this man. He is trusting this man to do the right thing. And he's showing compassion on this other man and saying, do whatever you need to do. And if you spend more than what I'm giving you, this is like giving somebody, you know, like a thousand bucks and saying, if you need any, I'll be back tomorrow. If you needed it, who's going to use all that money up? He said, but if you need some more, I'll give you some more. Which means if something goes wrong and you need to call some specialist in, go ahead and do it. Don't think, oh, this guy only gave me this much money. I don't have any more money to look after this. This has got beyond what was given. He said, don't worry. You take care of it. I'll take care of you. Okay? All right. So, <laughs> verse 36. So he says, now, so which of these <laughs> three... Do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Watch how this man answers. And he said, he who showed mercy on him. He didn't say uh, the Samaritan. He said, he who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. In other words, from now on, because you asked this question, because I've answered in this way, the next time you see a Samaritan in trouble, you better help. 
You can't go around thinking, well, I, I, I'll help some of my Jew friends and some of them I don't. Now, from now on, you better help everybody that's in trouble. Because you asked a question, I've answered it. Now you are responsible to do something with it because now you will be judged for what you know. Amen. See, smart lawyer got smarted out. Okay. <laughs> I, I love this quote from I. Howard Marshall. He said, the need of the world is not for heroic acts of martyrdom. Listen, but for heroic acts of material sacrifice. Amen. You know, sometimes we'd much rather kind of go, well, you know, we'll give up our life. You know, you make all these grand gestures, but you don't do all the little things. And it's just like, well, we kind of know what kind, you know, how much value there is in your grand gestures in all the little things that you do or don't do. If you are doing things for people constantly and you say, you know, if you ever need anything, I will be there for you. They'll go, yes, we know because you've been there in all the little things. But if you say, well, I'm, I'll be there, I'll do this, I'll do that, and you haven't been there for the little things, nobody's going to believe you. I'm just giving you some insight on that one. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> in fact, the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 16, he says, don't forget to do good and to share what you have with those in need. For such sacrifices are very pleasing to God. Did you get that? Amen. God is pleased. So this again is what separates the children of the devil who are only looking to please themselves from the children of God who are always looking to please God. Did you get the difference? One are always looking to please themselves. They are looking to what they need to do to get to where they need to get to at whatever cost. Whereas there's another group that counts the cost. And there are some things that they won't do because it's not the right thing to do. It might be legal, but it's not moral. I told you now, okay, that's it. Now you're in trouble. Anyway, <laughs> be led by the Spirit, what we're doing. We see an outstanding example of this in Acts chapter 9, verse 36, where it says, Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, and it says, This woman was full of and abounding with good works, literally deeds of kindness, and alms deeds, I mean, Acts 9, 36, which she did. Notice that. In fact, in, let me just go on and read something that the, the New Living Translation puts it beautifully when it says, she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. I think that explains it out really well. She was always doing kind things and helping the poor. Do you know that's the kind of life that God's looking for from us? And it's not that you have to go looking for all these people, but understand, some, you know, some people, this is their ministry, by the way. This is, this is what makes them happy, doing stuff for others. You know, you might be a person that says, well, I don't like to have a lot to do with people. Yeah, well, there might be something that you can do that blesses people that you don't have to be with them. You know, you, you can walk up to someone, hand something to them that you've spent an hour or two hours doing, hand it to them and walk away. You don't have to have a cup of tea. You don't have to go. With, you know, some people say, well, I'm terrible at conversation. Well, don't worry. You bless them the way you can bless them and move on. Amen. Write them a little card or something. <laughs> okay. Simon J. Kissimaka writes this. He says, when a person blessed with material goods, that is food and clothing, money, is unwilling to share his possessions, he has closed his heart. He is self-centered. Now, listen, I want you to listen to this in terms of what we should be and also in terms of what the, the children of the devil are like. 
Remember I told you that? Okay, John's standing next to you talking about, okay. All right, so I want you to take this two ways. It says he is self-centered and has no regard for his spiritual brother. This person portrays a stark contrast to the love of Jesus. He denies his brother the basic necessities of life, whereas Jesus willingly laid down his life for his followers. Now I know this has been put in terms of brother and so on, but I want you to understand who is my neighbor. Okay, this is in terms of everyone. Again, something that the children of the devil, whose hearts are full of hate and murder, and who are not only closed off to those in need, but who actually take pleasure in the suffering of others, would never do. And, you know, I brought something out there. Let me just share with it just quickly. I know I'm running out of time. I'm sorry. But let me just say this. There are some people out there that they don't only want to do bad things to people. They actually take pleasure in doing those bad things to people. Just like this lady took pleasure in doing good things, they take pleasure in doing bad things. Do you understand why now? There is the love of God in one and there is this hatred in the other. Are you all with me? Okay. That's why I said, you know, this is not everybody. So please don't go looking under bushes for people like this. But if you run into one and they're being unreasonably bad to you, I need you to understand why. And please allow people a bad day as well. <laughs> okay, can I say that? Some days, just because they have a bad day doesn't mean they're horrible. They don't jump up and say, oh, you're of the devil. Pastor told me about you. No, please don't do that. Okay, the people have bad days and they act terribly sometimes. And then when they repent, then you know they're not of the devil. Okay, allow them some time to repent and allow them to explain themselves. Always look for that. All right. To conclude, <clears throat> in his commentary in 1 John 3.17, Thomas F. Johnson writes, Just as eternal life does not abide in one who hates his brother, so it is unthinkable that God's love abides in such a merciless person. Did you get that? Amen. Okay. And so the Apostle Paul, uh, excuse me, the Apostle John goes on to say in verse 18, now he says, my little children, this concludes this section. He says, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In other words, claiming to love is not enough. Love is not a sentiment only, but actual deeds, meaning that genuine love must be practical, visible, and active. Did you get all those three things? Practical, visible, and active. Amen? All right. That's why the Apostle James says in James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, notice says to them, okay, depart in peace, be warm and filled, and does nothing. He says, but you do not give them the things which are, are needed for the body. What does it profit? The New Living Trans Translation says, what good does that do? Your, your words are not going to fill their stomach, okay? They're not going to keep him warm at night. Amen. Accordingly, William MacDonald writes, he said, it should never be a matter of affectionate terms only. Neither should it be an expression of what is not true, but it should be manifested. This is our love. It should be manifested in actual deeds of kindness and should be genuine. That's in truth instead of false. We're not making just false statements to sound good. Amen. We are meaning everything that we say. In other words, what we say and do must come from a heart of love, not guilt or obligation. This is why I'm telling you this. Please don't ever, you know, get to the place where you feel obliged to do something or you're guilted into doing something. Amen. Because that stuff doesn't work. Because once the, the feeling goes away, you stop. I don't want you to do something that is temporary. I want you to find your gifting. I want you to find what God put you here for. And then you start doing that. Then you become a blessing. Because it, you are doing something that you are excelling at. 
and you are helping people while doing it. Amen? And God will make you smarter too, by the way. He will give you insights and he will do things that are extraordinary in your life to get you to places you could have never got on your own. Don't ever think you're lucky. You are blessed. Amen? So again, what we say and do must come from a heart of love, not guilt or obligation, because God loves a cheerful giver. And I've said here, so does the person you're giving to as well. They don't like the sour person going, well, here, go on, this is my last 10 bucks, go on, take it. Keep it. <laughs> We'd much rather go hungry than have that attitude. Amen. You know, this is dirty money. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and before you say you have nothing to give, let me leave you with this quote from Simon J. Kissimacher, who defines love as the act of giving of one's possessions, talents, and self to someone else. There's so much you can give beyond money. Amen? Yes, money is important, and sometimes money is what people need. However, there are times when they need your wisdom. There are times when they need a second person there to help them with something. Are you all with me? Be that to them. And when you do all this with the right heart, we not only please God, but have confidence before Him, because our heart does not condemn us in any way. And it happens to also be the key to great faith and doing the impossible, and why he's, the Apostle John is going, on to, going to go on to say in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen? When we have a heart that's not condemning us, that's a heart that moves mountains. Are you all with me? That's the reason why you need to keep your heart clean, and that's the reason why 1 John 1, 9 is so powerful and so needed in your life. Praise God. And the same person that wrote 1 John 1, 9 is sharing all of this with us to help us to stay away from things that come to take away and damage our faith. Amen? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for all that we are learning. We thank you, Father, that we, are, that we become wise stewards of what you are giving us. That we are not just forgetful hearers, but doers.